In a world gone mad, only rationality and common sense can save it. It's Andrew and Jerry Save the World with your hosts, Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. And now, here's Andrew and Jerry. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Election Night 2022. Andrew Langer and Jerry Rogers. Andrew Andrew and Jerry Save the World, our Election Night surf party. Uh, Jerry does not own a Hawaiian shirt, therefore I'm the only one who's going to be wearing a Hawaiian shirt. We're going to be joined in a couple of minutes by our guest. Uh, You can join the conversation by either messaging us on Facebook or leaving comments on this live stream as it's going. We'll check those out in a couple of minutes. And who knows, I may feel impetuous later on, Jerry, and open up the phones. Oh, Um, very exciting. But but it is uh, um, uh, election night 2022. Well, we already have races called, and actually, this is a great opportunity because those of you, if you know us, you know that uh, I do Institute for Liberty. I do a couple of different podcasts. I do a lot of fill-in work on the radio. We know Jerry does a number of different things, including his show on WBAL, but Jerry is now the uh, editor of Real Clear Policy, part of the Real Clear family of websites including well, real clear politics i'm just testing go. i'm Good. just checking i'm, I'm glad just checking working. on you buddy and uh and so jerry's website is i would say jerry the most important website for uh this kind of work that's out there uh real clear politics in terms of they they were talk talk a little bit before we go down the road talk a little bit about the, really the flag that real clear politics planted in the political website aggregating world? Well, it is the most important website, uh, largely, broadly, uh, on political issues, commentary, news, uh, curation of news, also original reporting and and investigative reporting. Um, It's the only place where Republicans and Democrats share real estate. Yes. Right? However... During the midterms, now moving into the 2024, it is literally the most important site uh, in America uh, in politics uh, because uh, it, 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 it takes everything into consideration. And then uh, the experts that we have, uh, they handicap, they take in the, uh, the data and they and they make projections, and, yeah. and you, know, you have. I see for you know for those listening, you can't see this, but Andrew put up on the screen the Real Clear Politics Election 2022. Now, what they've added this year is this polling integrity project. Yes, uh, where uh, Real Clear is going to go through uh, what polls polling companies do a good job, and uh, who does a poor job, and that's always a question during the during the midterms, during the election season, uh, too many polls just get it wrong. There, there was there was a poll um, that had Chris up by seven la- the, late last week, and it was the craziest poll out there. And there was only one person sort of touting it—the person who'd done the poll. Yeah. Uh, and apparently, it was uh, some uh, one Democratic candidate's pollster in in uh, in, um, in in Florida. But this is what they're talking. But Jerry, this kind of polling integrity issue. This is kind of what Joy Reid was getting at last week when she was uh, carping about real clear politics. 
Right. And, and again, Joy Reid, of course, got it wrong uh, because what what Real Clear does is the opposite of what she was accusing Real Clear of doing. And that is Real Clear takes all the polls. Yeah. All the polls and then does the Real Clear average. Uh, and again, uh, it does put things in proper perspective. So if you get these poll numbers that are out of sync, out of line, uh, crisp up seven points <laughs> but you take that poll and uh and and you you do the analysis with 15 other polls and you get to a realistic uh desantis up by six or whatever the real clear average of six it makes perfect sense uh, and again it's almost obvious but no one did it yeah. and frankly i think folks try to do it now but can't get it right because they don't have okay. they don't have tom bevan they we don't have they don't have uh, John McIntyre. They don't have the, the they don't have the minds uh, to do it. Now we've got a lot of ground to cover. By the way, we're going to do this until ten o'clock tonight. Uh, that's a hard stop for for both of us because uh, Jerry's got to get up in the morning. I got to get up in the morning. Um, but the point is that I want to I want to go through where we are. Right, what's at stake? I think a lot of folks know that, but we should probably talk about it. Um, then I, we have to talk about the craziness of today. Um, what happened in Maricopa County, what's going on elsewhere, what happened in, in Pennsylvania, what's happening in Pennsylvania with, with their balloting. And also, I'll add one thing, uh, Donald Trump coming out today uh, criticizing Ron DeSantis. And by the way, Ron DeSantis just won huge in Florida. Yeah, but uh, I, th- I think he won Miami-Dade, uh, which hasn't gone Republican uh, in, in, in over a decade. Yeah. So, so here's, so let's, but I, and I actually wanted to start with Donald Trump because it's interesting you say that because it's been a, it's been a journey. Um, and I, I will talk about this. Maybe we'll talk about it with David uh, Safavian, who's going to be joining us in a couple minutes, but we had Trump on Sunday uh, criticizing DeSantis or it was over the weekend right. calling him desanctimonious. Uh, then we had Trump for, for, essentially, again, for no reason. Right. But but then we had Trump endorsing and then saying today that he voted for DeSantis. Now you're saying he criticized him today. He but also at the same the, the, time, he, he, he literally warned DeSantis that if he enters the race, that he's going to hurt himself, that Trump will uh, spill some kind of news. And again, this is what this is the problem with Donald Trump. Right. Uh, he, he, again, we'll, we'll get into this. The, the only reason why Donald Trump is going to announce for the presidency, and he might do it tonight, by the way, there, there are rumors that Donald Trump. He's not uh, going to do it tonight. But there are rumors. He's not going to do it tonight. I'm that they just there are rumors that he might, if the Republicans have a tsunami, uh, he might want to well, uh, announce well, tonight. Well, hold but, on, time for a time out for a second, because it gets down to this. This, and I almost use a, a bad word. Uh, it gets down to the garbage from yesterday, which was: Is he going to announce? Is he going to? Is he not sure. going to announce the well, whole? You, uh, you had breaking news on your Twitter. Yeah. Uh, yes. Well, breaking Trump news: He's going to announce next week, but isn't really that really him saying he's going to announce? But then again, it's Donald Trump, right? Yeah, Haven't but, we been to this dance before, but, where Donald but Trump has teased he, before? But, he, but here's the problem for Trump. And look, and everyone I know disagrees with me on this. Uh, Brian Darling. Uh, I had Tom Bevan on uh, the WBL show uh, on Sunday. Uh, everyone believes Trump will run. Everyone believes if he 
runs, he wins the primary. See, I'm not, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm with you here. I, I, though I, I'm not entirely certain he's going to run, but, but I think it's all well, signs are pointing to yes. If I had my magic eight ball here, but go so, ahead. But you know, it's funny. Um, I, because I am in this, uh, real clear, uh, universe now, um, in a different way than I, than I've been in the past, a lot of conversations today. And the consensus is that Trump has to run, uh, that this is part of his, um, his hedging, his protecting himself sure. because, um, uh, the DOJ is going to indict him. Oh, Jesus. Okay. See, the, the Lord knows that's 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 the motivation that we want a, a, somebody to run for president to have. Is the, well, the, the I'll ask you this. Let me ask you this before yeah. our guest comes on. Um, why, why, why would a seven at the you know at uh, at the time of the election in two thousand twenty four? Okay. Why would a seventy eight year old man want to do this? Okay, to me, it's very simple and straightforward. Right. It's not you, know, you framing it as a 78 year old man is is wrong. This is Donald Trump we're talking about. And for Donald Trump, it's always been about Donald Trump. It's all about him. And he's still angry about the 2020 election. He can't let go of the 2020 election. And so for him, if there's a red wave, that's a sign to him that America wants him back and he needs to he needs to justify his existence. He needs to. I, prove. I agree with you, but yeah. the problem is, is that he's misreading it. Um, I agree with that. Uh, DeSantis is going to get upwards to sixty percent of the vote tonight, and Donald Trump has no, nothing to do with it. Right. In and, fact, I'll, I'll I'll say this: Donald Trump's PAC uh, raised a uh, hundred million dollars plus, uh, and he spent less than fifteen million on candidates. Uh, this is a man. Look, you and I, ha- you and I had this discussion in two thousand twenty. Right. I. I was yelling from the radio, from our podcast, from what whatever venue I had, that Donald Trump wasn't spending any money on his own campaign. This is why Donald Trump lost Pennsylvania, lost Wisconsin, because he didn't put the money in to go and fight the Democrat attorneys. You mean in 2020? Yes. Agreed. Well, also, uh, who were changing the rules. But also, he hired horrible people on that front. Yeah. Um, right, right. But, but but during the but campaign, here's the, but, and here's, he, he and didn't here's even the do that. Time out. And here's the issue, right? If Donald Trump runs in 2024, you know who is going to be on his campaign? I mean, if Jenna Ellis is going to run things, right? I mean, Look, I, actually, on, it's hold on for a second. I'll go on time the record. Out, time out for a second. I, I, yeah, Jerry, hold on, hold on. I want to talk. Wait, wait, wait. I want to shift gears because because this is a a side note and important point. What do you think is going to happen with the Pennsylvania governor's race tonight? Right, oh, we set aside Oz Shap- and Fetterman. Shapiro's going to win by 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 uh, seven eight points. Okay, and who was um, um, Shapiro? Mastriano's- by the way, Shapiro is the Democrat. Yeah, and who was my Mastriano? Was the Republican? Sure. Who was Mastriano's senior sort of campaign advisor? Jenna Ellis. And oh, so I- the idea I- that she really what? Yeah, I did not know that. Oh yes, the explain idea- to our audience who Jenna Ellis is. So so okay. So Jenna Ellis is someone that Jerry and I were friendly with. I had her on my radio show. I when I filled in for Laura she, Ingram, I had and, her on. And, and when she came on, she came on as a constitutional uh, uh, legal scholar, a constitutional legal scholar. And she was working for Dobson and she'd worked uh, yes. uh, very briefly as a prosecutor. And and, you know, somehow she got her way into the team Trump inner circle. And but but towards the end. 
Like not during oh, the yeah, four, no, no, no. Not yes. during the three and a half years. Uh, no, you know, from you know, from the three, fall two, of from right. the fall of 2019 until after the election 2020, which is really when she stepped in the public spotlight, she was working for Team Trump in Washington, DC. Yeah. And and we were fairly friendly with her. Um, I was invited to both of her weddings and <laughs> and sent, sent sent a wedding gift. Um that's a dig, by the way, folks. A, a, a wedding that a wedding that that never mind. Not you know, so you're right. We'll we'll keep Don't it. Get we'll personal. Keep the point, the point is that without any real credential, she had somehow become a senior legal advisor to to the president of the United she, States. She was at the table during the Trump legal challenges. And so and so, you know, and we talked about this during the, the election challenges later on. It was it was Jenna Ellis and Rudy Giuliani. And not Rudy at his best. And not Rudy at his best. Not Rudy. Not, you know, not, not America's Rudy. mayor. Yes. Not America's mayor. Um, but the point is, and then you sort of, you peel back and you talk to other folks who've worked with her. Anyway, she is just not, and, and it's, it's very clear that it, it, she is not nearly as bright as she thinks she is, or as other folks seem to well, think. Well, I mean, look, we had her on and we, we talked about the American founding, uh, constitutional principles and she right. was smart and she was right on, but I, but, uh, but like too she many was, others, she, she was, well, yeah. she was, um, she was, uh, like a vampire. Uh, to a victim, but you know, uh, she yeah. fell. She fell under the Trump spell. Well, I don't even know about that. I think I. Well, maybe. I mean, I think that's part of it. Also, she also she was one of those people who got captured by DC and started to believe sort of her own press because she was sort of in that circle, which is something else yeah. that Jerry and I talk about quite a bit, right? People who get on that cocktail circuit. Yeah. So you know, Look, and, both Andrew and I could be at some big party tonight, uh, but we've decided uh, to well, do this. Let's and- be fair. I, I wanted to be at a big party tonight. Jerry said, no, I, I, wanted, want I want to be at my house. I want to be at my house. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be at my house. So I'm wearing a wine <laughs> shirt on the air. Um, so, so anyway, so the reason, the reason why I pulled up these, these returns, let's take a look at them, Jerry, yeah. uh, as we see this, uh, those of you who are listening, I, I've put my glasses on. Um, so these are some of the key house races uh, that are there. Uh, they just updated them again. Um, we got 21% of the vote or actually the, really the most important ones right now, uh, Virginia, uh, yeah. district two, district seven and district 10. Holy 10. cow. Now no, this one right here, nothing to call yet though. Nothing to call yet, but, but let me say this about, a, about, about a third of the vote is in, 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 in those three districts. No, 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 Jerry. I'm looking at this right now. Uh, 77% of the vote is in, in Virginia district seven. Uh, 73% is in in 10. Now, 10 is a tough one, uh, but but Hung Kao is very close uh, uh, versus Jennifer Wexton uh, with 73% in. But in a huge, uh, 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 two huge races right now, uh, Virginia District 7, which is Abigail Spanberger, uh, she's the yeah. former CIA case officer who I think beat Denver Riggleman a few and, years and, back. And she's, all, she's also the Democrat congresswoman who begged the Democrats to stop talking about uh, gender issues and yes. defund the police and all the rest. And of course, I just lost that uh, that uh, that uh, uh, chart. Well, uh, uh, there well, we go. Let me pull it back up. I got to go back up there. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah. So with 77% of the vote in, uh, Yesley Vega, who's a former police officer uh, and good friends with our friend Larry uh, O'Connor, uh, she's up 54.5 to 45. Uh, and then in Virginia District 2, 
with only 63% in right now. It's it's uh, interesting. Real clear is ahead of Fox News. Fox News has District 2, 33% of the vote is in. Okay, well, right now, yeah, real clear. Again, as you said, talking about how important real clear is. They're they're a little bit ahead of the the cable cable channel. Let me also explain something here, because I now, you know, as you all, many of you know, I now live in Virginia. So actually, a lot of states went through this redistricting after 2020. And so... Virginia has had some real changes in their their congressional districts. Uh, the district I live in, District 1, has become more solidly conservative. There's some talk that District 2, which is this Elaine Luria, Jen Kiggins. Now, Elaine Luria, who's on the January 6th committee and was running these ads about how she does things because they're a matter of principle, not, not partisan, which is, a, which is garbage. Oh. Uh, she's been challenged by someone who was handpicked by Kevin McCarthy to run. Right. And, um, and, they, and they like her, too. Uh, let me say this. So. Let me say this real quick about um, January 6th and the issue set that the Democrats have chosen. They chose. Yeah, you demo- sent this thing to me. Democracies on the ballot and the rest of it. So about an hour ago. So you want me to play that clip? Yeah, can you play that clip uh, for I'm our pull audience? It up right now. About an hour ago, CNN got a reality check uh, when looking at the exit polling and what really matters to voters. All right, hold uh, on one second. Let it, me uh, let me pull it up. Da, 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 as we do this on the fly, <laughs> this is awesome. This clip is is fantastic. All right, let me play. Here we go. The numbers in these exits do not line up with what we were seeing in the polling data going into this election about what people cared about and the order in which they ranked it. So we have had a lot of questions throughout this time about new voters, people that hadn't been in there before that were perhaps not getting captured by the polling. So maybe this is a sign that we're going to see a little bit more of that tonight than we expected. We obviously don't know yet. And you know what's missing from this one, two, five, (laughs) five issues? Democracy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> CNN is to say that it's Andrew. Not an issue for people, but it doesn't even come close. CNN is shocked that democracy, you know, democracy on the ballot is not an issue for the voters. Right. Uh, listen, if they listen to the Jerry Rogers show or Andrew and Jerry uh, save the world or any of your uh, talk show or in interviews over the last several weeks, they, they could have listened to us. It was never an issue. And this is this is how they messed up. This is the big mistake. Uh, you know, we, we hear about the big lie, right? The big lie. Uh, democracy is on the ballot because there's 300 election deniers who are running for office on the Republican side. This isn't your father's Republican Party. I mean, even earlier today, Biden was still on this democracy on the ballot nonsense. Uh, and, and guess what? It was inflation. It's crime. Right. It's, it's the issues that we, that I was begging the Democrats to engage on these issues uh, because the American people deserve a debate. Uh, with, without a doubt here. Uh, here, Jerry, I am trying to pull up our, uh, our messages here um, because we are starting to get we'll some. We'll do that because some... I have some breaking news as you, as you try to well, do Well, go that. ahead. No, you give us the breaking news. Breaking news. Uh, 99.99% of Americans want Mitt Romney to go fight in Ukraine. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that today. By the way, the Babylon yes. Bee, my, my sister, Colleen, who I hope is watching. Hey, Kyle. Uh, Colleen, sent, Colleen sent a, uh, uh, sent a video to me. It's the Babylon Bee. Uh, and, of course, it was um, – uh, <laughs> can you play that? Do you have it? Wait, what, what do you want but me to play? I, I, I sent it to you, the Babylon Bee uh, clip. Hey, Huckabee Sanders, uh, 
first, I think the first female governor of Arkansas. Republican. That's wild. Yeah. Um, wait, you sent me, did you email it to me or did you? Uh... I think I emailed it to you. Yes. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. I, I, I will find it, but keep talking. But anyway, it's, it's this hilarious clip where uh, <laughs> in 2016, the country elected an orange man to the presidency who was literally a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I will listen. But, I will, I will find but, that. I will but, find but, that a little but, bit. But I promise you. Look, look in many, in many, uh, uh, you know, in, in many adjusts, a, a truth is told, right. But um, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that the Democrats have, have, have pinned wow. their hopes on democracy. Uh, look, uh, uh, I, you know, you go ahead. No, no, Jerry, I was just going to say our, 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 our special guest has arrived. Excellent. So um, uh, let me, let me bring him on. David Safavian, oh, you are connected. We will wait for you to get connected. We are live right now. I like this picture. The hiking David Safavian. How are you? He's connecting to audio. Give him one second. All right, I will. I, will. I like the artwork. David, can you hear us? I can. How are you and, guys? And you have the red wave. I love it. I so yes, wave, David baby. also does not own a Hawaiian shirt. I don't. Own one. Hey, Dave, Dave, I have to ask you a question. Um, what celebrity do I look like? Oh, um, I will pull it up. You got to pull it up. Pull, pull it up. I'm thinking, um, what's his name? Yes. <sighs> Think Irish mob. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking of. I was Hold in prison on. with a bunch of guys that look like you. <laughs> <laughs> there we go, Jerry. How's that? Mr. French, Ray Wynn. Where is he? I from see him. Mr. French, that's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh my goodness. All right. We stopped there. there. David. Now, David, tell everybody your, uh, your position now with the American conservative or CPAC now, as we call it. I am the uh, senior vice president overseeing policy, politics, and advocacy for CPAC along with being the general counsel. So real quick, cause I don't think we've had you on since there's been this transition. Talk a little bit about, uh, about this transition from ACU to CPAC and that uh, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but I, I think yeah. it's important to explain. No, we, um, you know, we recognize that most people, um, most people outside the Beltway in particular, uh, really uh, understood and connected with the term CPAC as opposed to ACU. Uh, and so we're starting to transition over and use CPAC more as for our brand awareness. Um, and during this time, we did some looking at who our activists were and what they were looking for from us. And uh, we have started moving towards um, a more forward-leaning grassroots effort. Nice. We have a pretty active one. Uh, and we're, we're moving it out into state capitals across the country. Good. Yeah. Which is of, of vital importance now, this idea of, of, of building a bench. In fact, David, let me go here. Because one of the things that Jerry and I have spent a lot of time talking about is Maryland. And the eight years of the Hogan administration the fact that Larry Hogan was elected in 2014 because he built a grassroots operation, but then he did nothing to, to sort of sustain that. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah. You know, um, the, the analogy uh, uh, grassroots is is perfectly apt because it's a lot like planting a garden, right? You put your seeds in the ground, you water it, you take care of it, you grow it up, but you've got to tend to the garden 
Otherwise, the garden gets overrun with weeds. Sure. And man, that's exactly what you saw in Maryland over the last eight years. And it was sad because we had great opportunities to educate and build. Um, Larry Hogan uh, was not a fan of conservatism, was not a fan of conservative activists, had no time of day for us. He was more than happy to have discussions with our friends on the left. Uh, but we, you know, we never got any uh, and didn't get any love from Larry Hogan when he was governor or, huh. or now. And uh, it's too bad because I think we could have had a partnership. You know, we don't have to all agree on all of the same. Sure. Things. Right. right. But no, we, we could have come together and said, let's build a bench. Well, never... You know, you know, you know, Reagan used to say, you know, you know, seven out of eight or six out of ten. Let's work together. You know, I've gone so far because Maryland is such a deep blue state. Uh, give me one or two issues and I'll work with you on that. And then I'll try to convince you on the other eight later. Uh, Larry Hogan, uh, you know, again, Donald Trump receives criticism uh, for being uh, pro Donald. He's, he, you know, the party that he is most um, uh, loyal to is, is, his, is the Trump party. That's the criticism. Well, how's Hogan any different? I mean, Hogan, who has always been about Hogan, uh, he, he's going to leave the state with a 60, uh, 60, uh, 60 percent plus approval rating. And, you know, uh, the Wall Street Journal today came out with a uh, uh, with an, an, an op ed editorial talking about the worst, uh, uh, worst states for taxes, tax environments. Uh, Maryland's number 46. So well, and I said this today and I got some pushback. Um, Larry Hogan's legacy is going to be Westmore. Uh, the progressive uh, new governor uh, and a, a progressive radical legislature, one party rule. Uh, and, uh, you know, look for Wes Moore uh, for the for the for the kind of donor class of the Democratic Party uh, to put him up uh, for for national office in, in, in quick time. I was talking to a friend of mine on the left who I think everyone would know his name if I told you and I'll tell you offline, who said that Wes Moore will be president. Oh, yeah. He's already, he's already told me that. Um, you know, I wow. would disagree with you on one thing, Jack, and that is the difference between Trump and Hogan is this. W whether he wants to admit it or not, Trump didn't create the MAGA movement. The MAGA movement created Trump. You're right. I agree and with as that. as a result, yeah. MAGA is going to outlast Trump. No, and that's, you know, this is something I talk about all the time, and that is, is that MAGA is now uh, its, 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 its own thing. Uh, and and uh, and there are other leaders and other elected officials uh, who can uh, be spokespersons, be leaders. Uh, again, God bless Donald Trump. I know that the rumors are he might announce in a week. He might. Uh, someone said earlier today. Several people. I, I got calls. I got calls up until I got came on the podcast. I was getting phone calls. Jerry, what are you hearing about Trump announcing tonight? I'm like. Well, other than you and the five other guys who called me, uh, I, you know, I, I, I'm hearing it on the phone from you guys. But my point is, is that um, uh, there are other leaders now also, uh, the, uh, Carrie, uh, Carrie Lake, uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, and, and any, any number of others. And that's a true movement, right? Uh, yeah. when, when the movement uh, goes past its founders. Look, we had this. We had this. Oh, yeah. Well, it could have been a crisis in the conservative movement uh, when all the original heads of think tanks started to retire. Right. And, you know, the whole the whole thing could have gone. Fred Smith as CEI, 
uh, 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 Crane at Cato, uh, and you know the list. Fulner, yeah, yeah, and Fulner at Heritage. Uh, but but it shows you that the ideas and the principles matter more. You know, anyway. it's it's funny, Jerry, because I had I had talked about this and written a memo the nonprofit I was working for in the late 1990s before I came to CEI about how the need there needed to be a change in leadership in order for it to survive in the long term. And guess what? That organization, the leadership didn't change and the organization died, which is a, a, a damn shame. Um, David, let's, well, let, let's, let's talk about tonight. Let's talk about election 2022, the midterms. Um, let us start with the races that you've been watching. Yeah. Before I do, I just want to go back to one thing real quick. Sure. And that is, you know, Jerry, you pointed out um, a couple of what I would call MAGA movement uh, elected officials or soon to be elected officials. Carrie Lake, Ron DeSantis. I mean, real superstars, right? Yeah. Think about who the... <coughs> You're right. Our friends on the left, excuse me, I don't have a cough button. Um, think <laughs> think about who our friends on the left have lined up if, uh, if the president <laughs> doesn't run again. Right. They got Judge no Newsom. Uh, West, it's Westmore. Westmore. Day, he, I said this on. I, I made. I made predictions on my radio show on Sunday, and I predicted that uh, in 2024, Westmore will be the will be the nominee for. Gary, the I will say this: one of your one of your esteemed colleagues at that station today uh, was tweeting, or maybe it was yesterday, was tweeting out about uh, about uh, the Westmore 2024 theory. Had never heard that up until this point. Oh, really? I just yes, I, I, I dedicated three hours to it. <laughs> yes. Well, there you go. You know something I and, and in fact, I bet oh, that's, that's so what happened is that is that your producer for Sunday had a conversation with this person. And that's when they first heard of it. But I mean, look, look, don't laugh. I mean, West I'm not. I, no, again, no, I, I, I'm not laughing. Wanna... I'm also saying, by the way, Jerry, that you are you you remain the sole person educating people <laughs> at that particular station. But but here's the bottom line. I don't, I don't want to focus on Maryland because it's not that important. Uh, but but, you know, Westmore could have run in New York, uh, except there was no opening for him. Right. And the, he, you know, the reason why they chose Maryland was very similar to why Hillary Clinton chose New York to run for Senate. Sure. Uh, they, they need they needed something quick to get this guy elected in a big way. And, you know, they, they already called the election form. It looks like he's in a win, uh, maybe with 60 percent of the vote. Wow. So, you know, so there's a, a big win. Uh, my second prediction I made on Sunday was uh, it, 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 sooner rather than later. Uh, Joe Biden will announce he's not seeking re-election. Mm -hmm. and, and, and David, to your point, who do they have? Pete Buttigieg? No. He's no. right. Uh, 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 VP Harris? I they mean, made a fundamental mistake when they nominated Katanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court. Yeah. They should have nominated Kamala to the Supreme Court. Yes. Because sure. that would have moved her out of the way. Right now they've got a problem. You're right. With their coalition, there is no way that they can nominate uh, a white, uh, young white guy who happens to be gay to jump over Kamala Harris, whose turn it's going to be. And they really don't have anybody. You know, that same person that told me Wes Brown is going to be a president. Westmore. Or I'm sorry, Westmore. Yeah. Um, uh, said two other things of note. He said, one, there is nobody that Democrats can put up in 24 that can beat any Republican right now. He said it could be Trump. It could be anybody else. He, he views 24 as a change election still, and there's nobody that the Democrats have that are ready to go. The second thing I would point out to you, Jerry, is um, more may be the Sarah Palin of the left. When you <laughs> uh, I, I wish I had my bell. 
you're, you're giving us nuggets here. Of course. Maybe, why maybe we invited David on. But David, maybe because I agree with you, he very well could be. You're right. This is a brilliant point. And I interrupted you. I apologize. Go but ahead. The, um, but if he's the Sarah Palin of the Democrats, the guy to watch, the guy that's really been playing the inside game well is Jared Polis, the governor of Colorado. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, yeah. uh, the Wall Street Journal today, uh, the Democrat who wants low taxes. Yeah. And, I, you know, and here's the thing. I know uh, 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 the governor. I'm acquainted with him from his days when he was a member of Congress because he was one of the few one of the few Democrats that we could talk to uh, about entrepreneur uh, 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 legislation. In fact, I think he was a sponsor of, 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 a, of a bill the Kaufman Institute put forward uh, to, uh, to uh, make it easier for startup firms. It was, yeah. called, the Start- it was called the Startup Act. And, 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 and Congressman Pol- uh, Polis was, was part of that effort. See, again, yes, you're absolutely right. And also, he also can uh, uh, leapfrog, so to speak, uh, because, you know, because he is a, 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 a he's in a protected class, um, yeah. you know, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a gay man. So again, and not to play identity politics, but that does matter for, but their, also coalition. He's won, for their coalition. It matters. He's won major elections. See, that's the difference between him and Pete Buttigieg. I mean, certainly you could say it about, yeah. about Gavin Newsom, but Gavin and, Newsom, you know, winning, winning as a Democrat in California statewide, right. Is like winning as a Republican statewide yeah. in, in Maryland. I mean, you sort of you 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 get up. I'm sorry, winning as a Democrat in Maryland. Uh, but I'm going to pull it back because it again but, it is. But again, but Polis does have this kind of look. I put a challenge out again on Sunday on my radio program. I said, give me a Democrat uh, who is just not wholly married to the progressive movement. And you know what? No one said Polis, and they should yeah. have because they, he they, does he does have bona fides when it comes to taxes. Uh, and uh, and economic issues. You're right about that. So let's shift gears for a moment, and um, and let's let's well let's get back to the reason why we're here today. Sorry, I'm trying to find our Andrew and Jerry Save the World chats um, right now. You know something? Um, if Sometimes wanna... he says things I have no I have no idea what he's saying. Well, no, you know we have a, we have messages. <laughs> we can get messages. Oh, okay, very good. I understand. While we're on the air, now I know I Marty has messaged it. us on now the I air. It. I didn't want to give out our link to all of our listeners and viewers so that they could, you know, they, though I may give out the phone number later on um, just so they could join. So back to the, the question that I, that I asked you first, David, or second, which is the races that you've been watching. You and I had a conversation about this a couple of weeks ago. Like I'm watching New Hampshire, uh, the Baldock Hassan race. Um, and, and I think things have changed since you and I had that conversation, but what, what all are you watching? So uh, I'm, I'm looking at results right now while you're talking. I, I'm, look, I'm looking at a lot of the same races most people are. I think the ones that I really focus in on right now are uh, Nevada Senate, uh, a former AC board member, Adam Laxalt, yep. uh, running against uh, uh, Senator Cortez Mastro. Um, you know, a traditional, uh, it, you know, Nevada is really an interesting state. It replicates a lot of the same things of the West, but it's got, this uh it's got a very high concentration of labor uh, and it's got a very high concentration of hispanics and it's not coincidental that um you know republicans have made inroads with blue collar labor and we've made vast inroads uh with hispanics uh when numbers i've seen tonight show that uh the the performance outside of clark county has been unbelievable unbelievable Mm. 
and, and at Washoe, the gov- and, the, and the governor, though, but a half hour ago, right, de- uh, declared some kind of snow emergency, uh, yep. which ha- have uh, people uh, 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 talk about voter suppression. You know, let's close <laughs> close the roads, close all the offices. We have a snow emergency. So anyway, I'm sorry, David. Yeah. Uh, so right now, the last I saw was Black Salt was up by between three and four, depending on the traction poll. Uh, I think uh, I would be surprised if Adam can't pull it out. And we've got a really good twosome out there. We've got a, a governor, a Republican gubernatorial candidate, uh, Joe Lombardo, who's a former sheriff of Clark yeah. County. Um, and so that's a one-two punch there that I think results in a net pickup of one. Uh, but it, it more importantly, it's symbolic that we are making inroads with Hispanics. Yeah. Uh, and it's something we can point to all across country. Well, no, right. I, I mean, I'm looking. I'm looking back here at uh, uh, Virginia, uh, seven uh, with ninety yep. percent of the vote in right now. Vega is up fifty-two to forty-seven percent. Uh, nobody's look, calling look, it yet. Look Sorry, at Miami. Look at Miami Dade. Uh, yeah. Again, uh, a majority Hispanic uh, uh, district, or uh, and Republicans are are. Uh, uh, DeSantis won it. I think the first time since Jeb Bush. Uh, that a, a Republican has 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 won that, uh, but but you know I, I want to just piggyback on what David said. Yeah. Um, we'll see what happens. Obviously, you know it's 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 early in the evening. Um, obviously, it's it's a wave. We're gonna have Republicans are gonna, are gonna take back the House. Uh, we'll win. I think the Senate at least fifty one forty nine. I think it'll be fifty three fifty four. But regardless, it looks like you know a wave. We win the House. The question is, is it a tsunami? Uh, and, 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 and what I would say, are we seeing, are we witnessing the emergence of a realignment? And two, two things are happening that David, uh, he pointed out one of them. Uh, the, the Latino vote is moving toward the GOP. Right. Uh, and also uh, suburban women are moving back towards the GOP. Yeah. And, and this is depending upon how the Republicans govern over the next two years. Uh, if, if, it's one thing to move toward. Uh, it's totally different to identify with. Yeah. And if it, over the next two years, if Latinos and suburban women uh, identify with the GOP, with the conservative movement, we, we, we're going to have a realignment. Yeah. And, and the three districts to look at in Virginia, uh, two, seven and ten. Uh, I yep. call them the three, the three Karen districts, right? Yeah. They're, they're, currently occupied by three Karens that were elected uh, in response to Trump in 2018. Um, And and this isn't isn't my brilliance. Um, Two will be uh, if there's any wave at all. Uh, Seven will be if we've got a really good wave and 10 will be if we've got a storm. Yeah. So and we're um, seeing that right now we're seeing that with the way the votes are, are coming in. Uh, with 70% in still, Kiggins is up by nine, uh, a little over nine. With 99% in, Vega is up by uh, by three. And Mass. in 10, which is always the, was the heavy lift, Wexton is up by three over Cal. Um, what's, what's, how much is in at that point, though? Uh, with, uh, um, sorry, with 90% in. 90. So it's there's a possibility there. 51-48 right now. Let yep. me... Um, let me ask you this. Let's sort of, as we, as we talk, talk about some of these other races uh, looking, I, I just got rid of the, the, the charts. Um, but what we're seeing in Georgia, yep. and I know what you're hearing on the ground. So right now 
Um, Herschel Walker is trailing Brian Kemp um, by about 4%. Four points, yeah. And then, so the and question, then it's, so the question is, will, will, will Kemp win with 54, 55% of the vote? Uh, which 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 brings uh, Herschel Walker to 51 and then we avoid a runoff. Uh, the early returns, though, and again, I, I have no idea from where they're coming. Uh, they, they were they were um, disheartening. The early returns. I haven't seen number. What, what are the numbers now, Andrew? Oh, sorry. I'll pull them back up. You know, um, interesting, too. Just a little plug for 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 my gig. Uh, Real Clear Politics, the website is about 10 minutes ahead of the yeah. uh, cable companies, cable channels, in terms of the projections uh, and the percentages in. All right. So right now um, on the Senate race with 51% of the vote Avoid in. the chaos. Get Black Friday savings all month. Um, Warnock is up by just over two points, uh, 50.3 to 48. Yeah. Uh, whereas um, uh, Kemp is up by five. Uh, 52 to 47 uh, with, again, with, uh, with 51% of the vote in. Yeah. So, so there you go. Sorry, go yeah, ahead, David. I, I don't think a, a lot of people, I mean, some of the tracking polls that we saw, and I even got some information from campaign uh, with people on the ground, seemed to indicate that they thought they were right at that, that precipice where they thought they might be able to get 50.2, 50.3. But I think most people who are realistic recognize that this is going to go into a runoff. Hmm. Uh, and it's going to be bloody, but maybe this time we won't shoot ourselves in the foot yes. uh, as we're trying to do the runoff by, you know, discouraging people from getting out and voting. Yes. Uh, I think at the end of the day, when push comes to shove, uh, during a runoff, Democrats are going to be awfully, awfully disheartened after tonight. Just looking at the, at, you know, yeah. surveying. Right. In the same way that Republicans were disheartened in 2020 after after what happened there. I think that's 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 and, that's and an also we, we, we hear a lot from the media and, and from the establishment, uh, you know, and unfortunately, Republican establishment, how Walker is this no good, terrible candidate. You know what? Warnock is not a good candidate. Yes. Uh, this is someone who has all kinds of baggage. Uh, I mean, just opposition research. Go and look at his sermons. Yeah. I mean, this is outrageous stuff. He has his, you know, the history with his wife. He has his church throwing people out of their apartments uh, during COVID. I mean, my point is, is that um, this, and again, you know, maybe this is a pet peeve. I don't like it when my Republican friends uh, will come down hard on one of our guys, but then just completely ignore the, the the bad character uh, and all the rest of the other guys. I mean, again, here in Maryland, uh, one of the uh, le- right of right center bloggers, uh, I, I, I tracked I, I tracked what he wrote uh, six, seven pieces about Dan Cox being a lunatic. Not one piece yeah. uh, talking about Westmore, uh, his radical equity politics, uh, uh, the lies in his book, uh, the fact that he's from New York, not Baltimore. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, Wes Moore, what was that phrase back when Clinton ran? Uh, it, it turned out to be wrong, but they're going to open him up like a soft peanut. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is something that could have been done uh, to Wes Moore. Wes Moore is a fraud. He's a fraud. Right. And but yet, you know, we, you know, he's uh, and, and here in Maryland. Is, it's uh, he's, All you right. know, he's second coming. The what's the old line that I'm sure one of your grandmothers said? You always hurt the ones you love. Sure. Yes. 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 <laughs> well, I mean, but you know, I, but, but, I, I I mean, but we're all 
we are all old enough to remember the Reagan's 11th commandment and, and somewhere along the way. And I'm not sure when that was. Maybe it's, maybe it is the, maybe that is the, the Donald Trump. No, there's, there's, there's a 12th commandment now, uh, you know, grifters. Well, sure. Grifters will grift. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the new, that's, th- this is, Think about it for a second. You know, look, you know, Andrew. I mean, maybe you. I've had dinner with Bill Crystal. Bill Crystal has been uh, in and out of my life for years. Yes, and I'm watching him or, or or reading him on Twitter now. He's unrecognizable. Well, I mean, right? Jennifer Rubin's the same way. I mean, Jonah Goldberg. I mean, it's it's whatever. Whenever they can trash a Republican, they're going to go out of their way to trash a Republican. So I, which I is why, incidentally, they're, they're, I, I I hold that hope for Jonah. Every so often, he'll say something. I'm like, ah, all right, sure. Yeah. There's the old Jonah. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I would I would take it a, a slight. You know, this whole comparative assessment between Warnick and Walker, and take it a slightly different way. I think that. What you're seeing is a, a, a different way that voters are approaching politics. Um, it used to be that the, the individual candidate counted more than the party. Right? right. And I think we are starting, and I don't think this is a good thing, mind you, but we are starting to move towards voters approaching their decision, much like a parliamentary uh, election. Sure. Where uh, it's, it's the party and the party's agenda uh, that they're really voting for and that they overlook the flaws in their own candidates. You know, it's, it's that's you, why Georgia's got two flawed candidates yeah. uh, who are both neck and neck. So earlier in the evening, uh, they were looking at exit polling uh, from Georgia. And one of the questions was just that. Um, uh, and it, they split evenly. It was an even split. Are you voting for the, are you voting for the individual or the party? Yeah. And, 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 a major, and a majority said we're voting for the party. And then you break the numbers down and it was evenly split between uh, Walker and, and Warnock. So it's, yeah. a, you know, it's a good look at you, this guy. Right. What was that old Johnny Carson thing? But, oh, Kreskin? Yes. You <laughs> should have had you bring the hat. Yes. Uh, Sis Boom Ba. <laughs> <laughs> what, I, what my sister said to me when the, when the sheep exploded. Anyway, um, so let's, what are you hearing? Because the wonderful thing about ACU CPAC is that you do have this grassroots approach. You are talking to folks who are on the ground. Uh, I mean, we've, we've heard these stories, Jerry and I were talking, we'll probably come back and talk more about, you know, Jerry's colleague, Tom Bevan and his family in Maricopa. Um, you know, we've been, we've been hearing these stories. What are, what are you hearing from, from around the country from, uh, ACU CPAC activists? So one, our people are on fire. They are <laughs> fired up to vote, fired up to govern, fired up to see us do good things. <clears throat> I think the, the concern is that, you know, there's not a whole heck of a lot of governing we can all do because anything yeah. that try to move forward that's forward leaning it's going to be veto bait by this president we don't have a veto proof majority Hmm. and the other thing that i think we have to set expectations appropriately with is this when trump left office and interest rates were about at at zero we were paying 20 billion dollars a month in debt service yeah right now we're paying 68 billion dollars in debt service it's like another defense budget yeah that's exactly what it is jerry you took the words right out of my mind my mouth and so if even if we say we're going to hold the line and we're not going to allow the, the federal budget to grow uh, at all, 
we still have to come up with about a trillion dollars worth of spending cuts just yeah. to keep us at zero growth. Yeah. So we're, you know, there's a little bit of concern. I think that we're going to be the dog that catches the car. Mm. <laughs> yes. A hundred percent. Well, I, I tell you what though. Well, hold way- on, hold on. Wait, Jerry, I want you to, David, I want you to flesh that out though. I mean, explain what that means. So, because I, I think Jerry and I both understand this. But so it's the, I, yeah. you know, I, the voters and, and you touched on it a little bit ago, Jerry, that, you know, we could have a potential realignment here with Hispanic voters and, and suburban women. Um, if we don't blow it, yes, we have one opportunity not to blow. It. Yep. So we have to be very cautious about mm-hmm. how we go about, um, reconciling the increased defense spending that we need to fight Putin and to deal with the Chinese and reconcile the, uh, you know, the increased debt service at the same time is really starting to do pretty significant cuts to government in order to get us back on a, a, a sense of, of balance uh, and fiscal responsibility. So we've got that issue out there. I think there's a danger, and I'm just playing kind of red teaming, red team exercising it. There's yeah. a danger that um, there's so many things for us to investigate. And now that we have the power of subpoena, we're going to go after all kinds of things. I mean, Jim Jordan put out a thousand page roadmap on, yeah. on what to investigate. And I think that's right. That's healthy. We've got to hold people accountable. And, and the media is scared to death. Uh, uh, what's his name from, was it ABC, John Carl? What's his Jonathan name? Carl. Yeah. John- he he just couldn't believe he the interview with the governor of Virginia. He's like, it looks like they're going to investigate. And Youngkin, to his credit, man, Youngkin's okay. Youngkin Youngkin can, can yeah, hold his 100%. own. Youngkin was like, well, the Congress should do its oversight. Yes, I, I yes. agree with this. Anyway, I'm, I'm sorry that David. Go ahead. No. And I saw I saw a similar set of comments by uh, the the former senator and broker Al Franca. <laughs> yes. Hey. Oh, yes. I saw that too. He was just apoplectic yeah. that Republicans are going to hold hearings and issue subpoenas and go after Hunter Biden. And what are we going to do about it? Well, you know, I think that's all right. And I think we need to, you know, use the disinfectant of sunlight. Uh, but eventually we're going to start getting spun up on impeachment. And, yeah. you know, I. Well, that's just uh, a morass that I don't think helps us win. Okay, which, but, but yeah. Andrew, let me say this real quick. Please. Um, because <laughs> one thing Andrew and I have talked about uh, for, for years now is that one of the greatest conservative reforms and also in terms of budget discipline and, 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 and explaining to the American people why we're doing these things is for the Congress to go back to regular order. Yes. Uh, if, they, if that one thing uh, would help uh, deal with the, of the circumstance of catching the car. Um, go back to regular order, have hearings, have witnesses, um, uh, draw bills, have amendments, have arguments, uh, and, and, and move forward that way. I think that would be, um, that would be a, it's not, a, it's not a reform, obviously, but going back to regular order will do much to, to, re, to lay the pathwork for conservative government. Well, look, just going back to regular order on appropriation bills, yeah, the first step, because then we don't have these yeah. 3,000 page omnibus bills nobody knows what's in them and there's pork stuffed in every corner right right um you know we need to go back to 13 appropriation bills and fight it out about where we think the government should spend and where it should cut and have that debate out publicly that's the way that we are in respect with the voters now gentlemen guys desantis is is approaching 
60% of the vote. Yeah. Talk, um, about real, talk about realignments real quick. Something I, I, we, and I wanna, we do have an update on uh, um, yeah, DeSantis, 58.9 with uh, 85% in. That's yeah, it, it, talk about realignments. For the first time ever, Florida has more registered Republicans than Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, DeSantis has realigned the political map in Florida. But to, to, the, to the detriment of states like New York, Jerry, that's, that's part of that's, that's the sacrifice. This is, is, that we, is that we lose those things. So uh, just so we all know, um, and of course, now we're going to lose it with 54%. Wow. All right. Big Come announcement on. here. Do it. With 54% of the vote in in Georgia, Warnock and Walker are now uh, essentially tied. Wow. 49.2 for Walker uh, to Warnock's 49. That's good news. It's good news. But again, it's 54% of the vote in. That's that's big stuff. Um, let's go here. Uh, Beasley versus Bud with 64% in. Uh, uh, Bud trailing by about a percentage point. Uh, that's not great. Uh, in Ohio, well, we don't even have to go there because it's only 38% of the vote in. Um, so, but we haven't even talked about the chicanery today, the big stories today. Uh, uh, mainly Arizona. Wait, 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 I was just saying, sometimes Andrew's going someplace. This is not scripted. I, I have I'm no going. idea where he's yeah. going. The big story I no today, idea where going. I got big. into it with a Hollywood with a Hollywood producer who was <laughs> upset that I was talking about uh, a Maryland oh, state. Lord. Yeah, which notice, is just, notice how I stayed out of that, by the way. I know. Believe me, I know you did. And that's why I also <laughs> took you off of the, the tweets there. Yeah. Um, uh, hey, no, David, was, David, if I'm going to punch somebody either for real or rhetorically, it's always going to be a knockout. Yes, and, so. and, and and more to the point, Jerry just didn't want to spend the plane fare to fly out to LA today. So, so um, uh, no, the big story, of course, Maricopa County, Arizona. I mean, we already have this hotly contested race. You've got a situation in which the Secretary of State of Arizona is running for governor, um, and and so Maricopa County, I guess, had problems with their ballot printing, uh, not printing one fifth of the machines, twenty percent of the machines in Maricopa went County. out. Now, yes. you know, I know how this is what I found out about this was earlier, early today. Yeah. Tom Bevan, Tom Bevan's parents lived there. And he's like, what the F? Part of my language, mom. Yeah. Uh, my parents just went to a polling place, uh, were told they couldn't vote because the machines have failed. They went to a second polling place. The machines failed there. What's going on? And, yeah. then, about, and then about 30 minutes later, uh, we started to see the news uh, and, and and some other stuff trickle out. Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, but David. I, you know, I think we, um, there has been a, a, a slight civil war going on for a little while in Arizona uh, between the people that were skeptical, questioning the outcome of 20 and those that said, oh, you're just a bunch of election deniers, Republicans on both sides of that debate. Yeah, sure. Um, and, you know, the board of canvassers and the infrastructure of vote counting in Oklahoma was firmly or I'm sorry, in Arizona was squarely on the side of the election was run perfectly and fair and square. And, you know, how dare you question what we did? How dare you? By the way, I, I love the county, uh, the jurisdiction of state where where the election r runs perfectly fair and square. No, yeah. that's, that's, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But I'm my sorry. point is that Maricopa's board of canvassers is four to one dominated by Republicans. Yes. Right. But they're the Republicans of the old guard. And, you know, 
so now they're staring going what the heck did we get ourselves into you'd think they would test the machines by now sure what i want to know is when carrie lake emerges after clubbing the baby seal known as katie hobbs <laughs> uh, yes. are we going to have our own set of election deniers in in the beautiful state of arizona because i think that's what this is coming to is that's right they're going to point fingers and say you guys cheated carrie lake should never have been elected by the way isn't it priceless that carrie lake was supported by some of that democratic secret money to plus her up yes this is the this is the and point again, a, not by to, the not way to... she's a rock star yes yeah. oh, yeah. just say she but is a rock star not to bring it back to maryland again but i you know we had dan rodericks who is the opinion journalist of opinion journalist of record for the Baltimore Sun. That's a uh, redundancy. Carp- yes, carping about. Thank you, carping <laughs> about the number of election deniers who are on the election deniers who are on using air quotes uh, who are on the ballot in all these states. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, if you guys hadn't spent millions of dollars to get them on the ballots, thinking that they yeah. would, you know, there's no possible way that they but, would you know, win. But, but again, I, I have to say this because I, I, I cannot stand the term election deny, uh, deny, right. denialist. Uh, Chuck Todd, Chucky, who's on our, our, your former, my current radio station every Friday, Chucky, I can't stand this guy. God bless him. Lord, God bless him. Chuck Todd uh, came up last Sunday with the uh, election denialist. Yeah. Is that is is inflation more important than the election denial? I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is the wrong issue for you. We, right. I, I hope, I pray, after this, we can get beyond the 2000, uh, 2020 election denying. It's it's complete and utter nonsense. And the American people. Oh, this is what I was going to say. Um, before you came on, David, we did a clip from CNN from tonight where they were shocked that democracy on the ballot wasn't a top issue. They were shocked, right? Uh, hey, notice what's not on this uh, uh, this list of uh, issues. Uh, democracy, <gasps> inflation, crime, the border, energy. Right, up, David, before you answer that, let me let me posit a question to the to the peanut gallery here. Do you think that that Americans would have a greater respect for democracy or if the American left hadn't spent the last, you know, generation? Bang, bang. Thank you. Shoot. I was going to use a phrase uh, pooping all over all over <laughs> the American system of government. Yeah. Go ahead, David. I'm sorry. Well, you know, let's 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 rewind history a little bit. Yeah. Who were the original election deniers? Well, we could go back to. Trump. I mean, you know, I finally remember the day after the presidential election in 16, where they had crying rooms in the building we shared with the Center for American Progress. Okay, fondly remember that. But we can go back even further to the election deniers of Barbara Boxer, Nancy Pelosi in Bush's second term. Al Gore, even further, who took back who took back his concession. All right, time out for that. And now, now I can tell the story once again. I only get to do this every few years. About go. how election 2000 was my fault. Have you ever heard this story, David? No. David, where were you election night in 2000? Uh, election night 2000, I was on the Hill. Okay. All right. You were up on the Hill. I was at the big um, RNC election night party at the DC Hilton on 16th Street. Not the, not the Hinkley Hilton, but the other one. Jerry, where were you? I was at home. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I am. Every- so, so I was. 
I was I was up at uh, I was up at one point in the chairman's suite, and then and then it was just getting later oh. and later, later and later. And, name drop a little bit for us. Oh yeah, please. no, I, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be Andrew Jerry Save the World unless I name drop a couple times. Um, but I went back to CEI that night, right? Because it was just looking like nothing was going to happen. I had work to do. And then, um, and then the election got called for George W. Bush. So I walked back the block and a half over to, cause CEI at the time was at K between 17th and Connecticut, walked back over to 16th and David, you will not be surprised at this. I walk into, and this is, so this is 2022 years ago. I am 28 years old, 29 years old. And I walk into the ballroom and there are people milling around, not doing it. Make a long story short. For oh, no, no, no. I got to make the long story as long <laughs> as possible. So I walk up, I walk up to the podium. I walk up to the dais. I get behind the podium. I, I have no credential. I'm, I'm nobody. And I say, and I get into the microphone. I say, ladies and gentlemen, there's only one way for us to celebrate this victory. And that's to turn around, walk out those doors, walk down 16th street to the white house. Who's with me. And a bunch of us went down to the White House to celebrate George uh, W. Bush's victory. And I get in my car an hour later. It's what, two, three in the morning. And it comes on the news. Al Gore has taken back his concession. And I can only imagine that someone showed Al Gore a video of these idiots in front of the White House singing and dancing. And he said, forget that. I'm pulling back. I'm pulling it back, baby. And so. I, I, I take the blame for the 2000 yeah. election. Mess. So uh, you, the, the only time I marched in the streets in D.C., I mean, other than the pro-life, uh, uh, the pro-life in January, I was at CPAC. And Bob Dornan, remember, remember B1? B1. Bob. <laughs> remember, uh, Bob Dornan, we were at a we, we were in a break, uh, breakaway group. It was a, it, although it was a large audience and it was during the Barney Frank controversies. Remember Barney Frank? Oh, yes. And he had the the prostitute living in his town home, and so um, so uh, Bob Dornan gets goes pulls a langer, goes up to the dais, and <laughs> you know, and he, and he says, "We can call pulling a, pulling a Breitbart." Go ahead. And Sorry. he says, "Frankly, Barney, I give a damn." <laughs> and he led a bunch of people to Barney Frank's town home and protested outside. Oh, now this is this is yes. I I I you know. This was actually it was my first CPAC, I think. I was in college. But regardless, um, I want to say this so on a serious note uh, to your point, David, and that is the election. People say this, and there was a piece in the bulwark today that I, that I, I, I literally yelled at as I was reading it uh, on how, yes, both sides, but 2020 matters more because. And they pulled the whole January 6th thing. But here's what we've memory hold. After 2016 uh, and during the inauguration, there was an attack on the Capitol. They were they were burning down, uh, burning cars. There was violence and there was an attempt to stop the swearing in. Right now, the only reason why that's not a day to remember is because of who controls the narrative. Now, I'm not excusing a, a mob. Uh, going into the Capitol on January 6th. But what I'm saying is, is that they're excusing the violence on Inauguration Day 2017. And also, to your point, Andrew said a thousand times, yeah. the 2020 riots, they breached the White House uh, gates. 
Now, why is that an attack on democracy? So my point is, is that it's legit to say uh, that both sides have done this. And I would argue that most of the violence has come from the left. But regard, I'm sorry, but David, I, I, we've gone off here. No, no, um, I don't disagree with you. I, I do find it fascinating. You know, I, I, this same friend of mine that I, I talk to a lot on the left, we were talking just Sunday about, he just wanted to pick my brain about how Republicans are viewing things. And what struck me is, and he is right in the middle of the, the blue bubble, right? What struck me is they are not using the election deniers line as a canard, as a political ploy. They really truly believe that those that didn't embrace or accept 2020 on its face are threats to the democracy. Right. They, they, they believe this in the core of their being. And so anybody that didn't just say, yep, those were the results. Anyone that didn't do that, in their view, is disqualified from any public participation, any public role. Yes. And um, the reason why I flag that is because this is, this is going to be a really sharp issue in coming days. And it's really going to force them to reconcile their innate reaction to or they're, they're wanting to go and deny, they're wanting to go and protest at the same time as some of them are going, but wait a minute, we've called people who deny and protest exactly uh, in, in, insurrectionists. What are we going to do? And it's going to be really fascinating to see how these left-wing activists actually address this. But here's my, hold on, here's my problem with that, David. You know, but this is, this is just it. The, the 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 progressives have no shame about their hypocrisy. They embrace their hypocrisy. Well, Andrew, it, because it's 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 not hypocrisy for them, right? It's hierarchy, uh, and 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 also it's religiosity. Yes. They can they get your David is one hundred percent right here. Yeah, they really believe this. This yeah, is yes. not this is, this is not. I I I I know that to be true, but they believe it uh, like I believe in the Trinity. Yes, it's it's a matter of faith for them. That's why you can't argue with them. Yes, that's true. It's a, it's a it's it's, re, it's religiosity. It's a sacrament. Which is which is what I what I what I got dragged into here. Um, okay, so let's let's do it. You guys want to let's let's take another update at uh, what we're looking at here. They called okay. it for Abbott. Oh, they did. So is this the end of Beto? No, Beto. Beto. I, I'm sure. I'm sure our friends in Silicon Valley have another 250 million. They're going to throw down a rat hole to it. Oh and I'm goodness. all in favor of it. All right, I'm with yes. you. Yes, yes, more money that's spent on better. What, what was that California race? Uh, Huffington, uh, make them spend it all. Yep, <laughs> I, I like that. Um, okay, so they've called real, real clear has called. Well, unfortunately, they've called ten, uh, Virginia ten for uh, for Wexton, um, yes. up six and ninety nine percent in. But they have not called seven yet with with ninety nine percent in. Vega up. Now only uh, a three, um, 2.8. So we'll see there. Uh, Kigan still has a comfortable lead over Luria with 79% in as well. Um, that's their first congressional call, isn't it? Um, well, that's the first on their list of races that they're watching. Okay. Yeah, yeah they didn't. I thought they already called like Florida 13, uh, Anna Paula Luna. Who, that was the first pickup. Yeah, they they may have, but but yeah, right now I think this is the this is the house races that they're watching. I right. haven't pulled up the the other ones here. 
Um, I know I'm looking at, I'll say this uh, out loud. I, I have a feeling he's going to hold on to it. And that actually that raises a question I'm going to ask in a second. Um, the Illinois District 6, um, uh, which is the Caston Peacow seat. It's a former Peter Roskam seat. I'm watching that because I I know the the congressman and what about you know the I, I didn't see it uh, Andrew but the, the David Trone oh Maryland six I'll pull that yeah. up in a second Jerry but let me ask it let me ask you all this question how are we defining trickle versus wave versus tsunami is is or, I mean what's what's our what's our baseline here David I'll go to you first then I'll go to you Jerry I think the baseline is the historical twenty eight yeah yes. Yeah, we need how many do we need? We needed we needed uh, what was it? A handful. We needed how many yeah, did we need to take the majority? We needed we needed five to recapture the All majority. Right, so, no, but, so, but 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 going back to the if the Republicans pick up twenty plus seats, it's historically the high point ever in the House for Republicans. Correct. So then anything. Sorry, go ahead, David. Yeah, no, that that's right. If we pick up more than twenty five seats, we'll have a historical high since. Uh, 19, I want to say it was 1912, but the, I think the important point just for some of the listeners that don't get what I, I meant is yeah. on average, the party out of power uh, after a presidential election picks up on average 28 seats in the house. I will tell you that if we, keep, if we hit that number, I will think that that's a particularly good performance because the Dobbs decision, Dobbs decision yeah. scrambled everything. Yes. Um, but if we get 28, anything above 28, and it's a wave, anything below 28, it's okay. And anything in, in the teens is sad eh, trickle. Yeah, for me, yeah, I think anything above uh, above 35 is, is, is a true wave. Um, if we get into the 40s, it really is a tsunami. All right, you were asking about Florida and what's been called. Uh, and so, yeah, 13, uh, Florida District 13. Uh, Luna versus Lynn with 93% in, uh, they're calling that a GOP pickup, um, 53 to 53 to 44, um, Florida 21 mast versus Robinson, uh, mast winning 88% of the votes in, uh, mast is up 63 to, uh, to 36%, Wow, which is, which is, which is just wild. Um, so, so, so far one, two, three, four. In, in the early evening, at least four pickups. Well, no, I, according to the map here, it says Republicans are already up five by five. Yeah. Um, so you're, yeah, you're, you make a liar out of me for one. No, well, there you go. Did <laughs> your mom ever say that? The Guam seat? Uh, I'm not ca- Well, you want we me to go down to Guam? And that's the first for, time we picked first, up. Since, yeah. In uh, what? Since 1990, right? Uh, uh, it's. Jerry, least, real clear is not reporting on the on the all important Guam seat. Oh my! Well, that was the first GOP pickup. David is correct, of course. Well, there you go. But I think this is all about all about the the voting. You are you are correct, sir. You are correct. Um, yeah, it, we don't have any pickups in Texas yet. We're watching. We're watching that now. Um, uh, no pickups yet in uh, in South Carolina. Um, Nothing new in Pennsylvania as of yet. Yeah, lots of holds. Uh, to, to to your question though about what's a wave, what's a tsunami? Yeah, please. Um, I do think, regardless, if the if regardless of the, the the final numbers, I think we have to look at how cons- non traditional GOP uh, consist- constituencies 
are moving towards the GOP. I think that yeah. uh, let's, at the end of the day, let's look at the Latino vote. Let's look at, let's look at the uh, suburban women. Tom Kane Jr. is going to win a seat tonight in Jersey. Uh, and that's going to be because of, of, of suburban women. Uh, we're going to see, I, I think, at least one uh, Texas uh, uh, House uh, uh, House seat flip because of the Latino vote. I, I, I think those numbers will matter in terms of, of, of are we looking at a, uh, at a realignment? But because of the Republicans already had a good, what was it, 213? How many Republicans do we have? 213? We got 213. 213, right, so, yeah. So 213, that, I mean, we've already won a lot of the seats that we should win. Uh, so I agree with David. If we get 28 seats, that's a wave election. Uh, yeah. uh, given given how the house is situated, and I also think uh, that if 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 it's fifty two seats in the Senate, that's also evidence of a wave. Fifty four uh, would be a tsunami, but fifty fifty one fifty two. Remember, um, I had to be talked off a ledge where I thought I I was thinking a, a month ago or six weeks ago that Republicans would lose the Senate. You know, yeah, and lose so, more seats. Yeah, I, I thought that we would, you know, that, you know, uh, Pennsylvania would flip. We'd lose, uh, lose Georgia, forget Nevada. Forget, I mean, and, and, and so the, the whole Senate, I, I, I've gone from Republicans going to 49 or 48 seats to maybe going to 52 seats. To me, 52 seats is, is, a, is, is, a, is, a, is a wave plus. It's a, it's a mini tsunami. Yeah, I, well, I, I, sorry, go ahead, David. In 24, the Democrats have twice as many seats open, particularly. Yes. Yes. So, so if we hit that 50, let's just say we hit 54. We are close to having a supermajority in the Senate yeah. if we play things right after 24. You're right. So let me ask you this. And hold on, Jerry, to answer your question, uh, with the exception of District 1 in Maryland, no districts are reporting any results as of yet. Okay. Uh, and Harris is up substantially over Heather Mazir. Yeah. Uh, which is not unsurprising. No. Yeah. So, uh, D- David, will the uh, it, it always depends upon who's the majority minority and that sort of thing. But will the Democrats get religion on the filibuster? Well, or- one, the Democrats don't have religion. They don't believe. <laughs> we know what situational norms and mores. Yeah. Are. Right. This is the gets back to what I was saying. It's about it's about they don't have hypocrisy. All right. So so. Follow up then. Will Republicans undo the filibuster? No, no, no. I agree with you. No, I, no. I, I think we have a degree of. We've got two things going for us. One is, um, we've got enough old bulls in the caucus in the Senate that recognize how important it is for comity and for regular order. Yeah. Uh, and two. I think we're just one degree less hypocritical than our friends on the left are. You know, I was I was talking to I have a daughter. She's 22. She's smart. She's in into politics. Uh, she works at one of the big public affairs firms uh, in D.C. Uh, and she asked me about uh, this idea of moving forward and nothing happening. And I said to her, I said, "Look, I said I think that um, for big things to happen anyway." Uh, there needs to be some consensus and compromise, which is why the filibuster is so important. If you're going to pass major legislation, you should be able to attract 
10 members of the opposing party. And this yep. is the problem with the Democrats. Uh, they have pushed through, uh, you know, uh, transformational legislation, Obamacare, uh, and, and, uh, and the Inflation Reduction Act with its green energy nonsense. They've pushed these things through on party line votes. And that's not that's not how we should legislate. And so, again, how you know, how can uh, Republicans do it different and show a, a sense of seriousness? Uh, they ought to be able to get some Democrat votes. And, and even if the president vetoes, force the president to veto some of these things. But you're going to need Absolutely. to get some you, you're going to have to get some Democrats in the Senate. Well, it, it's also important to force the president to veto things because it, it's going to force all of the Democrats around the president to to take a stand on these issues and what they yes. would do. So, um, so, so, David, so the House, obviously, if, if Republicans pick up, you know, 28, 30, 35 seats, the, the, the House Democrat caucus will become more progressive. We know this. Yes. Yeah. In, in the Senate, there um, Coons used to be somewhat reasonable. Senator Coons from uh, from Delaware, Connecticut, Delaware. right? Oh, Delaware. I apologize. Um, and and there were others. Uh, 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 there were other senators who who on certain issues offered serious leadership. Uh, that's been lost over the last couple couple of years. If Republicans get the majority, will some of these uh, senators, like Senator Coons and some others, will they will they go back and perhaps offer up compromises, uh, give a vote on a bill, or do you think that the the Democrats in the Senate? Are going to be just just partisan politics first. Well, I think the answer is yes to both and no to both. I mean, you've been in this business as long as I have, Jerry. Um, you know that despite what goes on in the headlines, that there are these working relationships below, kind of below the the surface um, among a select group. You know, it's not the AOCs in the House. No, it's not the Chuck Schumers in the Senate. But you know, a Chris Coons, Cory Booker. Um, you know, I know they're. Folks that aren't fans of Corey's. I I worked with Cory Booker years ago on prison reentry programs. Yes. Yep. I mean, th this was a guy back back ten years ago who did offer serious. Um, some people called him a, a moderate. Uh, who knows? But on on that issue, on on, on certain issues, school choice issues, Booker yeah. was a guy you could work with. So anyway, you're right about that. No, I I think that there are. There are a handful of those relationships that will allow us collectively, Democrats and Republicans, to get some meaningful things accomplished. Uh, I do think that at the end of the day, everyone will you know, go back to their own corners and we'll beat the snot out of each other, uh, yeah. meet the press to the extent that anybody watches meet the press. But uh, I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic that we can at least get some things done. There have to be some areas where we can cross party lines without giving away our base, without giving away our core principles and find common ground. If we can't do that, that's a sign that we've got real serious long term. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think you're at, right. At what number? What is the magic number? Change Three. in the House, Three. change in the Senate? Three, two. De La Soul. Uh, Remember De La Soul? Oh, Three. Well, no, I was thinking number. Casey. Ca well, listen, I love three is a magic number because it's school ass rock. Right. I was thinking two from the Casey Case and Rave out tape. Um, but my my point is at what number? Um, the number of Republican pickups in the House, number of Republican pickups in the Senate, does Joe Biden make the announcement 
that he is not running in 2024. Oh, he's making that announcement regardless. Well, Ron Klain's going to make the announcement for him. Yeah. But uh, I don't, I, things are going to have to shake out a little bit. And you're going to see something akin to uh, when Pete Rodino walked over to the White House uh, with some of the old bulls to Nixon and said, Mr. President, you got to go because we can't keep, keep doing it. Yeah. You're going to see something like that. Um, I think the only thing that, that oh, maybe time out for a second, pro- David, David, time out for a second. But you raise an interesting point. He's going to do that. The old bulls are going to do that. And the press is going to love them for it. Yeah. And it is going to, they're going to, they're going to say that this is this, this is this moment. Joe Biden has to go and Joe Biden. He's the statesman. He's the yeah. statesman, so he he's going to do what's right for America, and he's going to step away. Oh, sure they will. Yeah, they're going to turn Joe Biden into a martyr. That's exactly Same what they're going to do. But sorry, go ahead. I'm going to do an impression of a, a member of Congress. I'm going to revise and extend. Um, go ahead, please. I I do think that um, the countervailing pressure is what happens when Joe steps down because they really don't have a candidate. They don't have a candidate. And going back to what we talked about with Jared Polis and Kamala Harris, that becomes the Democratic circular firing squad. They, they, you know, if we or if they nominate a white male who happens to be gay over a African-American woman. Uh, well, let me let me take a step back. Let me explain. Let me let me point something out. Please. This friend of mine on the left. Uh, I asked him point blank, you know, why do you think Republicans are picking up sometimes 20, 30 percent of the black vote in polls? Is it because the African-American agenda has changed with things like crime? And he said, no. And I said, is it because of all of these kind of wedge social issues like trans issues? He said, no. He said, the reason that, that black folks are starting to at least give us a look is because they've been promised so many things over time that the Democrats have never delivered. Mm. And my point in all this is, this would be one more thing that the Democrats haven't delivered. They jump over Kamala, sure. they jump over Stacey Abrams, they go to the nice shiny young guy that's coming out of Colorado, and it, and it ends up being a nuclear bomb thrown in the middle of, of the Democratic coalition. Yeah. I don't think the Democratic coalition can, can handle that, to be, to be 100% honest. So the, going back to your question, when does Joe Biden announce he's not running? I think it's going to be a, a while because they've got to figure out who they want to put in his place that doesn't explode the coalition. Plus, we're, we're, we're frankly, we may not know the results of this election for quite some time. So it's, you know, which is which is where we are today. Let me let me pull it well, back. I'll, I'll just say this, though. I, I still think Wes Moore is going to be the guy in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, time out, Jerry. It gets to was it was I talking about this with you, or was I talking about this with somebody else about DeSantis and the fact that DeSantis is only he's a young guy, so he's got plenty of time, so he doesn't necessarily need to run in 2024. That it could be DeSantis versus more. Well, more would run in 2028, presumably, but um, but it could be DeSantis more in in 2030, 2032. Good lord, or 28. Well, yeah, but presumably by 28, we'll have, if a Republican wins in 24, that Republican will run again in, in, uh, well, unless, unless, unless it's Donald Trump. Well, it could Donald Trump, Donald Trump can run for another term because he will have been, he that's will right. have been, yeah. So yeah. that's, that's so, but he, yeah. here's the funny thing. 
again, it doesn't make a difference because the Dem- the Republicans have a deep bench. I mean, I can yeah. right, we can name off you know, uh, Governor Nome, uh, Nikki Haley, uh, uh, DeSantis. Oh, and I want to go there with this. Tim Scott. Um, I, I because because I mean, David, do you think that if there is a crowded primary and if you don't want to answer this, I'll understand. But if there's a crowded primary on the Republican side going into 2024 and Trump's one of the one of the, the candidates in the primary, does that help or hurt Donald Trump in 2024? It certainly helped him in in 2016. Well, it depends what, what yeah. who the crowd is. Well, no, I'm not I, so sure. I, a crowded primary helps Donald Trump. I think that there is a, a pretty vocal, if not sizable, um, group uh, at the grassroots that like Trump policies, but don't particularly care for Trump style. Right. And if there is an alternative that embodies Trump policies without the baggage that they may, that person may attract that support. If you've got five or six candidates that are all embracing Trumpism or MAGAism is what Mm -hmm. I prefer to call it. um, Trump's going to get a a plurality of those votes and can probably bowl through a, uh, a a crowded primary. If it's head to head against DeSantis, I don't know. I I don't know the answer to that. Well, um, and, and yeah, man, the, well, this, this is why I'm asking you, and, and it's good that you don't know the answer to this. I think that's a that's a fair that's a fair answer, Jerry. Um, I, I again, I agree with David. I think that look, I've said this before. I think DeSantis, especially after sixty percent winning. Uh, in uh, Florida. Um, I mean, this guy has now won Florida twice. Uh, he's re uh, reimagined. He's reworked the map in, in, in Florida. Uh, I think, I think outside of Donald Trump, DeSantis is, is, is the guy. And if there was a, if there was a, a one-on-one uh, Donald Trump versus uh, DeSantis, I agree with David. I, I think there's a oh. growing number of 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 us uh, who like Donald Trump supported Donald Trump, but maybe at seventy eight years old, some of the baggage, uh, maybe it's time to pass on the baton to the forty. At the time, you know, he'll be forty five or forty six years old, DeSantis, to run for office. I, I can't think of a, another candidate in recent memory. I, I I have one in mind who who didn't run for president in twenty sixteen. What do I consider running for president twenty four? There are very few candidates coming to a primary who are who have a great staff around them. And Ron DeSantis has a great staff around him going into this this primary. Yeah, which if he were to go into it, um, which, again, with Florida having changes, we've been talking about, uh, you know, he's had to literally run a state, which is which is which is huge. Before we let you go, David, because you've you've spent way much more time than I than I think I, I told you you were going to spend with us. <laughs> Let's talk about grassroots. Let's talk about building the bench. Let's talk about CPAC. Right? We've talked about holding on to these voters who may be coming to the GOP for the first time in a very long time because of these kitchen table issues. Right? If we can't deliver at the federal level on, let's say, the budget, which we absolutely need to. We certainly can deliver at the state level on things that are important to suburban soccer moms. Talk about the role that CPAC is playing in this. So CPAC really has transformed under my boss, Match Labs leadership. Um, I'll tell you that a few years ago, 
you would go to a CPAC and you'd see uh, guys on stilts walking through the, the main thing. And I, I, Andrew, I see that look on your face because you've seen who I'm talking about. Oh, listen, I, I or, or guys, well, I was going to say guys wearing outlandish jackets, but that would be me. So there yeah. you go. Yes. So, but, you know, it had a little bit of a carnival atmosphere. And sure. what we have worked to transform CPAC into is an activist training experience where we are talking about deep substantive issues of consequence ranging from foreign affairs to education, to taxes, to economics, to criminal justice. Um, and people walk away, we hope a little bit smarter and a little bit more equipped to debate with their neighbors about what's the right course of action for the country. So, you know, as we look at CPAC, I mean, we are just starting the CPAC planning process uh, as soon as this election is done. You know, the question is, what do we want uh, the theme to be? What do we want to talk about that unifies Americans? Because, you know, even though we, when we began this conversation this evening, and I've had a blast, by the way. Thank you. Uh, uh, but when we began it, I talked about how we've been kind of rebranding as CPAC as opposed to American Conservative Union. But it's not lost on us that there is that word union in our title, in our charter. And it is to unify, you know, economic conservatives, social conservatives, libertarians under kind of one banner and, and win. Um, and that's kind of, that is the idea. That is where we're taking CPAC. We're yeah. bringing it back to Washington, D.C. this year for the first time since 2020 at the Gaylord mm-hmm. National. Uh, right. It's to be the... We're coming home. We're coming home. I <laughs> hope you guys are there. Uh, I'll be there. Seeing you. Uh, we'll get you good boost space for sure. Um, but uh, you know, the last time we had it at the Gaylord, we had 18,000 people there. Wow. And I'm just going to tell you, you know, I grew up in a quasi-political household. My grandfather um, taught me everything I know. He was a staunch Republican, but he was a country club Republican. He was a traditional one. Um, and in this partisan political environment, sometimes it's good to be with your own tribe. Yes. And you yes. come and you're with 18,000 other crazy Yep. Know, conservative folks that want the best for America. And, and that's where we're going to take it. I will tell you, you talked about grassroots activism. Let me just make a plug. Please. <clears throat> um, the first day of CPAC, we always do activism training. Part of that may be talking about how to comment on a federal regulation. Part of that may be talking about how to change the course of public policy, how to write a letter to the editor, things like that. We're always talking and helping our activists equip. But, you know, what I would tell you is the issues of the day are um, macro and micro. They're macro in terms of we all want to see the deck go down. We all want to see America safer. We all want to see America's place in the world sustained vis-a-vis China and the communists. But we're also looking at charter schools. We're also looking at, you know, can you believe in this day you have to get permission to build a hospital? Right. But you do. You got to get government permission to build right. certificates of need. You know, I want to talk about the evil that is AARP, and we <laughs> may have a little discussion about ARP and its role in Obamacare and its role in in government price setting. Yeah. Sure. Uh, so we're going to have a very innovative agenda. It's it's its role in the in Inflation Reduction Act to price control drugs and medicines. You know, you know, my wife was an editor uh, uh, at Regner years ago, and uh, one of her first books was this expose on on ARP, and it's outrageous. It's a money making scheme. Talk about grifters. 
this is art. ARP, this is grifters off of, you know, they make so much money off of the uh, insurance industry and all the rest of it, which is why they want, which is why they, why they sold out Obamacare, right? Again, we got, we, I don't want to get off on a policy conversation, but the fact of the matter is uh, they are got money. <laughs> they get subsidies from, from, uh, from Obamacare. Uh, and, and you're right. Exposing the so-called white hats, you know what I mean? Uh, they're not. These are the villains. And you're, you're 100% correct. And there's a way to do this uh, that is smart and, uh, and strategic and important. And I think you're absolutely right. So we, we will be broadcasting it for those that can't get to D.C. Woo-hoo. We're going to have it on our CPAC Now channel. Um, we want everybody to come. You know, this is not a, a profit-making thing for us. This is really the core of our mission, which is to bring everybody together marching under one banner of conservatism and winning. And, you know, part of this this discussion we've had today is all about that. There are two things I always say about, about CPAC. And I I know what they are. Okay. Well, the first one, as you know, is every CPAC is different and this CPAC will be no different. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) But the other one is, and I, and it, it is stolen from Charles Dickens, a Christmas Carol. CPAC isn't just a day or time of year. It's a feeling and you keep it all year long. Listen, yeah. uh, David, I'll, I'll say this about CPAC. Um, as a, you know, I grew up in a political family too. It was a little different. You know, I, I describe my dad as kind of like an FDR conservative, you know, like he grew up and, and, and uh, I think the, the new deal and these sorts of things, right. um, he understood the importance of proper good government. Um, but he was, I remember driving down the cross Bronx expressway and I, you see all these burnt out buildings in New York. And I say, pop, what happened here? Oh, the damn liberals kid, the damn liberals did this, uh, you know, no, you know, anyway, but, but, but the thing is, is that as a young kid, um, you know, I, I was viscerally conservative, but intellectually didn't have any grounding. And I discovered two things, uh, national review magazine. I, I was, I went to, I went to a newsstand. And saw this magazine, I bought it, and I read through it. I was like, oh, my goodness, there are people who agree with me. And the second was, and this wasn't until I got into college, uh, uh, was CPAC. I remember my first CPAC. I soaked it up, the knowledge, the, the, the information. And I, I still have, I should bring this to, my, to, to the next CPAC. I remember going to, because there were tables with, with literature and with, with uh all kind and I just took I took everything home with me. Yeah. And at nighttime, uh, on uh, on you know uh, on the floor of where we were staying, organizing it. This was taxes, and this was foreign policy, and this was whatever this was. And and uh, and I was like, wow, there are people. There are people who agree with me. To your point, um, there was a certain comfort to to knowing I wasn't alone. Yeah. Right. You know. So think about this. What is National Review, CPAC, ALEC, American Legislative Exchange Council, and the State Policy Network have in common? Tell us. They all came from, well, National Review was started by Bill Buckley, sure. right? Yep. We also started ACU. ACU started ALEC and then spun it off, and we started SPN and then no spun kidding. There you go. I don't think I knew that SPN was started by ACU. That's really interesting. Yeah. It was started as a loose configuration of uh, local conservative unions. And and this is why I think it's interesting, huh. David, before we let you go, this idea of this interplay between all of these people who are getting elected to these, you know, 
the American Legislative Exchange Council is about state legislators. The State Policy Network is about state-based policy organizations. I think the next frontier has got to be organizing the folks who are running for school board, you know, the the, the kitchen table moms, right? There was that uh, um, Anna Puig uh, during the Tea Party movement had uh, the kitchen table patriots. It's that that kind of a that kind of a situation. Anyway, David, listen, you've given us a lot of time tonight. Thank we really you appreciate so much. it, my friend. What a treat. Good luck. Nice to see you guys. Thank you good, so much. Good seeing you, my friend. Take care. And that was David Safavian, who we're well, I don't want to, I don't want to submit a report. I just wanted to remove him from, from the thing. Anyway, hi everybody. Um, yes, Jerry, we gotta gotta pick this up. So I just went and looked. I will pull this up now, Jerry. Uh, Real Clear Politics. Yeah. Uh, is By the saying, way, that, that was so much fun. I could sit forever and talk with David. Well, David, yeah, and hopefully we'll have more opportunities uh, down the road to sit down and, and sit with uh, David and chat with him. I, I hope so. He's he's a big fan of the show, um, and so we're always, we're always glad to have him as that fan and as a friend. Um, so looking at this, Jerry, as uh, the reports are coming in. Any, uh, any update on the folks who have texted us or commented on the show i am i am not in terms of comments you're, you're colleen has commented a couple of times but we are um um I, I can't get the messages for whatever reason so oh, okay. um it, it is what it is but uh, the republicans have picked up an extra another seat so republicans have picked up they're now at plus six uh so now fully uh now officially i think in the majority so you just you, you mentioned just before about school boards and uh yes. i and my sister literally just about eight minutes ago texted me uh that one of the good the good the good guys um a woman running for school board in Fairlawn, new jersey was elected tonight uh, yeah. and i i mentioned this for two reasons number one because you mentioned the idea of organizing you know the kind of the organization of school boards as the next ACU sort of a thing. But um, uh, I was lamenting uh, on the radio show uh, on Sunday that the blue wave, the, the red wave is going to hit everywhere, you know, even in places like California, maybe New York, uh, certainly New York in, in some congressional races, uh, but not Maryland. And a texter uh, uh, sent the message and said, Jerry, it will manifest itself in, in Maryland, but at the school board level. Yeah, yeah, which is important. And, and also was very uh, encouraging uh, to me. Uh, I think that is the, the, the next great battlefield. This is, well, the first, this is the first year, by the way, where I actually did some, some research on, on the school board elections locally. Uh, yeah. Usually, usually I, 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 you know, in the years past, I skipped over it. Sure. I, had no, I had no idea who was who. Uh, I, I began this year by whoever the Washington Post endorsed, who went the opposite I, I voted against. Sure. All right. Well, let's talk about Maryland for a second, Jerry, because Real Clear has called a bunch of these races. All right. Um, um, so, so Harris, most, most well, they've called the Harris race with 41 percent in Harris uh, uh, up almost 20 points over Heather Mazir, uh, 50, 58 to 40. Um, uh they are are calling almost all of the other districts except for two. I'll get to those in a second. As Democrat holds, we would be um, remiss if we did not say something uh, uh, to our good friend, Euripsy Morgan, our yeah. former colleague at WBAL. Uh, her name was on the ballot. Uh, they are calling that a Dem hold in Maryland District 3. Yeah. And that was an uphill battle for Euripsy Morgan. Uh, 
the only thing that gave me hope there was uh, Sarbanes really was absent from uh, from the from yeah, the whole care. endeavor. You know, yeah, they they don't. That's just it. I mean, you they can you can stick any random Democrat in there, and it's going to go down that road. Now, Jerry, the two districts that they are that they are not calling that Real Clear is not calling are District Six, which is the one of of great import. Uh, that is the Trone, David Trone, who's the incumbent Democrat versus Neil Parrott, who is a member of the Maryland legislature. Um, uh, Neil Parrott is trailing with 26% of the vote in. Parrott is only trailing by three points. And that district has changed over the course of the last, yeah. since the last election. Uh, there have been more Republican houses, households added into it, more Republican voters added into it. Yeah, that's, that that's my district, by the way, and I'm yes. in Montgomery County, so... There, there was lots of talk about how they removed uh, Montgomery County, but not, I mean, I'm Montgomery County yeah. and that's my district. Yeah. So it was, it was, it was changed, but changed slightly. Changed. Well, it changed slightly, but changed enough back to where it was way back when, because uh, it was at one time represented by Republicans. So, well, but, um, but however, but Mon- Mon- Montgomery County was there a part of it. That Roscoe Bartlett was. That's the, Roscoe uh, Bartlett. But Montgomery County. Oh my was God, not, Ros- was, Roscoe yeah. Roscoe Bartlett, who is obsessed with the. But issue think about that, Roscoe Bartlett. He, he was a Western Maryland dude. Yeah. Congressman, uh, and then they added me. Yes. So if, if you look at the map of Maryland, right, there's Western Maryland, and then you come down. Uh, down through uh, uh, Frederick County and then Montgomery County. There's no way Montgomery County should be married to Western. hundred uh, percent, uh, except uh, except yeah. because it's Maryland is gerrymandering. Right. Exactly now, right. interestingly enough, Real Clear is not calling Maryland District Two. That's the Dutch Rupersburger seat. Uh, Nicoly Ambrose running against Dutch in that seat. And and just so you all understand, Nicoly Ambrose. The current Republican National Committee woman from Maryland won that seat in kind of an upset race. Uh, someone who's worked in the executive branch. Uh, she's been involved in party politics for a very long time. Uh, she is much younger than Dutch. Um, so they are holding off on calling that for her uh, right now. So that's. Hey, and that's by, by the way, I'll, I'll, I want to say this Dutch Rupersberger is a fraud. Yes. I mean, I, I'm not even sure there's a, there might not be a bigger fraud in Congress. Uh, this is a guy who walks around the state uh, claiming to be the moderate, even conservative Democrat. Uh, he's also the guy who was the deciding vote on Obamacare. Right. And, of he, course. and he was the deciding vote on the Inflation Reduction Act. Real quick. Uh, sorry, go yeah. ahead. No, no I'm just I, saying, I mean, Dutch Rupersberger should go. Yeah. Um, so I want to look at uh, I want to look at some of the governor's races real quick, Jerry. Um Right now, uh, according to Real Clear, so right now we have um, um, in in Georgia, uh, Kemp is up by seven points with seventy four percent of the vote in, uh, fifty three to forty six. Um, they're saying Oklahoma, uh, uh, Stitt is going to hold on to that seventy two percent of the vote in. Uh, in New York, yeah, that's, by the way, that's interesting because that was uh, that apparently was a was a toss up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the, uh, the, 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 Democrat, I think is a former Republican who ran. Yeah, so, so what I'm, what I'm looking at here is, is, uh, is Michigan, uh, the, uh, Tudor Dixon, Gretchen Whitmer race, uh, with 14% of the vote in, uh, Whitmer's early. up by five. Um, that's, that's an important race to watch, uh, uh certainly here. Um, any yeah. other house districts you wanted to look at Jerry, uh, uh, uh New Jersey. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, there's a, a Tom Kane Jr. 
yeah. uh, is running there. And that could be a pickup for Republicans as well. So, um, yeah, with uh, well, unfortunately, with a third of the vote in in District seven, uh, Kane is down by about 15 points. But, you know, that that obviously can sure. change. I don't know how that I don't know how that that district is. Um, let's I'm just looking so they don't have any of the pickups yet in New York. They have a lot of races that are out there. The Maloney race is one that everybody's watching as well. Yeah, it's going to it's going to it's going to be a long night. Um, which we didn't really address uh you know, stop the share for a minute that the uh, th- this idea that we have to wait until tomorrow or the next day or the next day for results, I think, adds to this uh, to this idea that our our elections are are um, right, not uh, lacking in te- integrity. Sure. And and the more you know, you get folks who are right when you get uh, who was it, Sonny Hostin on The View today. Uh, talking about casting her son's, trying to cast her son's absentee ballot for him, which is not something you're supposed to do. No. Um, you know, it it sort of lends to this issue. Yeah, but of, by the way, she's the yeah. same woman who said that uh, it looks like uh, suburban women are going to vote Republican and Joy Behar. Why? Uh, well, it's 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 kind of like the Roaches voting for Raid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's again. This is this is this is where we are w- with our discourse. Um, I mean, this is. This is this is the issue here, but you're right. We should not be in a position. We are the the greatest uh, democratic republic, republican democracy on the planet. Um, we, as someone pointed out, I can go and use my ATM card in Italy, and it instantly takes the money out of my account in America. There is no reason why we can't have uh, you know voting done on one day or over a weekend and have all the results sure. on and, the last and, night and, of the election. Again, you, you and I haven't talked about this yet uh, on our podcast, but you know, and it's someone else's idea. Um, and that is uh, uh, the last person I, you know, who I read, who, who talked about this was Tom Bevan, Tom Bevan. from yeah. real clear politics. And he said, look, get rid of the early voting and have a four day, keep absentee voting, of course would have a four-day weekend, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Election Day, right? where you have a national holiday where workers are guaranteed time off. Guarantee them 48 hours. So, you know, guarantee them a, a one weekend day and one and one, uh, one weekend day, one week uh, a weekday to go and vote. And But the problem with this, though, is there's no mechanism to do it. Well, no, you can't guarantee it. I mean, well, right. Well, time out. I mean, you could, right? You could amend federal labor law to. No, know, no, to, I'm, not, to, I'm not talking about the 20. I'm not talking about giving workers time off. No. I'm talking about there is no mechanism uh, uh, f- f- from Congress to uh, legislate a four day voter weekend. No, I think, you know, something it would be great if, and it's so funny, I turned the, off. The, I, the, I, the states would have to do this. I turned off, I turned off uh, off of uh, MSNBC because a former friend of mine was. Was doing election coverage. MSNBC, by the way, has announced that there is unprecedented uh, <laughs> voter suppression in Georgia. Of course, there is. Yes, tonight yes, they, 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 that was their report from tonight. Yes, well, and, and more unprecedented more, more voter people suppression. than ever are going to have voted in Georgia. Yeah, and yet it's voter suppression. But my my point is, if if the folks who are doing the national popular vote effort really wanted to do something constructive. You know, are, they'd, give, our, they, they'd give that effort up. Yes. They, they, well, no, no, no. But they would transition that effort into making a four-day election weekend uh, as as an effort. Um, 
you understand my point is that they are going around the country. Solonuzis and Michael Steele go around the country giving speeches and advocating for the national popular vote. Instead, what they should be doing is taking that apparatus and turning it into a a national 96 hour election weekend I system. Think the, I Hold think on. the yes. I want to explain something because it, 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 you know because you you have folks who will glibly say, well, if we just declare it a national holiday. Uh, then then people will be able to vote. Well, it doesn't work that way because no, of course not. the only people who would actually get off on that federal holiday government would be workers, government workers, people in the military, banks, people in banks yeah. and that's it. Um, so like, yeah. I mean, think about this. Uh, th- there are myriad national holidays uh, yes. that you've probably worked on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. In fact, one is coming up on Friday. <laughs> Veterans Day. Yeah. Um, in, in any so Jerry, we're 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 winding down the time here, my friend. We are indeed. Um, you are gonna be on WBAL tomorrow night. I, you know or, what? I got I gotta check the schedule because uh I am gonna be on Wednesdays from now on. But that's so, right, you weren't gonna do tomorrow. Right. Tomorrow I I I wasn't scheduled, but uh folks, uh Jerry Rogers, seven to eleven on Wednesdays at WBAL in Baltimore. And of course, and of course, Sundays, uh, seven to 10 in my slot uh, on Sundays, which I which I love. Now, we are releasing the uh, the lunch hour podcast with the Federal Newswire. Um, we are releasing those on Wednesdays. This week's is going to be uh, is going to be Nan Hayworth, former member of Congress, yes. Nan Hayworth, to talk about what Nan. Republicans ought to do down the road. We may have an episode coming up with uh, with someone named Jerry Rogers. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that he and I might do a holiday episode uh, together recorded yes. uh, soon, uh, but you can check that out. Uh, and as always, please uh, leave reviews, tell your friends, tell your neighbors, tell your neighbor's friends, tell your family members about Andrew and Jerry Save the World. What was that, and, Jerry? And also, because I, I'm so pitiful, go to uh, the uh, at the Jerry Rogers show on Twitter. And yes. follow the page. What's your Twitter? What's your Twitter? Uh, handle? At Andrew underscore Langer on Twitter. And, and of course, uh, uh, at AJ Save the World. I uh, yes, do that please. as well. You'll you'll see wonderful, wonderful. My Twitter feed, you'll see as I try to push off uh, the obnoxious tweets by uh, members of the Hollywood elite. You know what? I had an interesting Twitter uh, moment t- today, and it goes to show you that you can exchange ideas uh, and disagree and not be disagreeable. So sure. uh, a friend of ours, um, uh, who is a Hargan, uh, Hogan partisan? Um, he and I disagree on the uh, Maryland governor, Republican governor, uh, his accomplishments and and his impact moving forward. And the fact of the matter is, is 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 we were able to have a nice. He oh, really? Said his, he said his bit. I said my bit, and and I said thanks. He said thanks, and we he didn't on. call you a despicable uh, piece of dog not, crap under your shoe, <laughs> no, as I got not. called today. Let me let me make this final observation. <laughs> let me make this final observation, because we're seeing again, we're seeing this wave. It remains to be seen if it's a uh, if it's if it's going to be a tsunami. Uh, I do think we're we're emerging into a realignment, but that's going to be a, a, a one or two year thing. It depends yep. upon who runs for president and everything else. Uh, but I want to say this there. I, I was talking to our friend Brian Darling. Brian yes. Darling, of course, is the president. Uh, and uh, founder of Liberty Government Affairs on the Jerry Rogers Show, who does the Liberty Update with me. I was talking to Brian today, and uh, there are no Republican members of Congress in New England. 
Right. I, yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, right? I'm, I'm looking I'm looking at, I don't know. Yes. And, and, uh, but, but however, every so often you'll get one in Connecticut, you'll get one yeah. in New Hampshire or Vermont. Uh, but the, 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 the real um, uh, outlier or not outlier is the wrong word. The holdout or the is Massachusetts. Yeah. And it's interesting to me, Charlie Baker, a Republican moderate governor, outgoing governor of Massachusetts, uh, Larry Hogan, a Republican moderate, outgoing Republican governor of Maryland. The two states, the only two states that won't have uh, that this election won't impact is Maryland and Massachusetts. Interesting. And the thing they have in common is the moderate, no labels uh, type of anti-Trump uh, Republican governor. And I, and, I, and I wonder for my Republican friends, is that a lesson for us? If you want to build a network, you want to build a coalition to keep Democrats honest, maybe the Larry Hogan, who's popular, and Charlie Baker, who's popular, uh, but they're, they're no labels, they're uh, going against the grain, uh, might work for them. Yeah, but it doesn't, it, it but, doesn't but work Jerry, for building coalitions. I'm sorry, we can go on for a second because I was, I was trying to wind this down, but it raises the question that we were talking about with David earlier, which is the issue of people over partisan labels. Yeah. Right. And so you get places like New England where they will elect a person, but they won't elect. And see, as I said, that's the thing that set Larry Hogan apart is that, yeah, he was a person running, but he built this grassroots movement. I know you're tired. I'm tired. You, but you, you get up. Jerry gets up super early in the morning to edit the Real Clear Family website. Do I look tired? I'm sorry. I yawned. I apologize. You yawned. Jerry, what do you want people to do? Oh, my goodness. Find the truth. Plant your feet and stand firm. God bless. Have a great uh, week and uh, weekend weekend, everybody. Have fun. And as I always say, please stay safe.